Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Have you ever truly studied the famous story of Cain and Abel? Have you taken time to understand the amazing principles hidden in this Old Testament account? Let's open our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 4 and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today we are in Genesis 4 verses, we're going to do verses 1 through 7. It's, a, it's an interesting story. It's the story about, about Cain and Abel. And it's a pretty short story, but the, uh, there are just some, some obviously very, very serious things that happen here. And there are there are tremendous principles in this story for us. So we are in Genesis 4, verses 1 through 7. We'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. Verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do invite you into this time. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, we continue to pray your mercy and blessing and healing all around the world for all those, Lord, who, are, who have become sick with, uh, with COVID. Father, we just pray your mercy and favor and goodness on all the world. Father, we do pray that you would draw millions of people to Jesus Christ our Lord in this time of difficulty. Father, we thank you for your favor and mercy on our lives. We thank you for this month of November. And as we begin the month of December uh, tomorrow, we do pray that this would be the greatest December of our lives, the most Christ-filled Christmas season of our lives in every manner and in every way. Father, draw us unto you, help us to experience you, and help us to know Jesus more deeply and more intimately. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So again, we have the story of Cain and Abel, and you'll see, you know, we're going to go through seven, but in verse eight, it actually says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So it's a, uh, this crazy eight verses, and then the Lord is going to rebuke Abel. I'm sorry, the Lord is going to rebuke Cain. Um, and the famous line out of verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother? 
I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? And, uh, you know, perhaps you've heard that, uh, that phrase, but you know, most don't know that phrase comes from the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? Like a parent will ask about, uh, your brother or sister or your friend. Am I my brother's keeper? I'm not his daddy. Um, and, and biblically we are our brother's keeper. You know, in in Christianity, it is our job to uh, to look out for one another and to love one another, particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also even those that are not. It's our it's our duty to to look out for them and to serve them, and particularly in 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 spiritual ways, particularly in the ways of the truth. If they don't know Jesus Christ, it's our job to look out for them and to talk to them about Jesus and and bring them to faith in Jesus, um, lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but just in general, uh, the Hebrew writer tells us that the Lord is pleased when we share, you know, when we're looking out for others and their needs and their difficulties. So it is our duty. But Obviously, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper when he knows that he has already killed Abel? And the Lord is going to rebuke him and tell him his blood cries out from the ground. And he's going to explain the discipline that Cain is going to be under. But we can see here that that the Lord had spoken directly to Cain and gave him every opportunity to not to not go down this road. And yet Cain didn't take it. And that really is the case with all of us at every, any level of temptation. Whenever we fall in sin, whatever it is, and we all do, it's because we, we have not taken the counsel of the word of God and the son of God, Jesus Christ. We've wanted to go our own way. And, and like Cain, we, we can be frustrated. Look here in verse six. Maybe, you know, we're going to go through verses one through six here, but... So it says, the Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And the reason for that is because uh, Cain's offering was not brought with the same heart as Abel's offering. Cain's uh, offering was, was not brought with the same diligence as Abel's offering, with the same thoughtfulness as Abel's offering. Um, sometimes, you know, we can... Uh, in my own life, sometimes I can do things begrudgingly, right? I know I'm supposed to do something and, uh, you know, I don't want to do it, but I'm like, all right, whatever, let's just go do it. That makes you happy, May. Let's go do it. May is my wife. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm just doing it, you know, just to, just to get her off my back, really. You know, she's wearing me down. So I got to go do this thing. And, you know, my attitude is not right in it. And, and the Lord does not look with favor on that. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So it doesn't tell us when, but, you know, Cain took of it and he brought it to God. So you can see here that, that Cain actually knows the Lord, knows who he is, and and understands this principle of giving to the Lord, right? Because Cain does bring an offering of some of the fruits of the soil, and he brings it to God. It says, but Abel brought some fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. 
Uh, that firstborn is a, is a key word because the Bible tells us to bring our first and best to the Lord. Everything in your first, the Bible tells us to give the first 10% of our income to the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also we should give the first and best part of our heart to the Lord. We ought to give the first and best part of our time to the Lord. We ought to give the, the first and best part of our, of our talents and our gifts to the Lord. Pretty much everyone who listens to this is extremely gifted, but most of us give our, 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 our giftings, uh, our, we use them uh, in the advancement almost entirely of our own lives. And, you know, we use them in our own jobs. And of course, we're supposed to do all this, but we need to learn to give our best of our time, talents, and treasures to the Lord as a as an offering that's first, right? When we get up in the morning, we tend to think about a hundred other things, things on our minds, things on our hearts, things we got to get done. Um, we think about different people, our wife, our children, our girlfriend, and then somewhere down the road, maybe Jesus pops into our mind, right? Well, he deserves to be first in everything. You know, when we wake up in the morning, we ought to think about we ought to think about Jesus and just start praising Jesus and thanking him and, and praising him and, and, and telling our Heavenly Father how much we love him. He, he deserves the, the first of our attention, right? The first of our time. And then, then we ought to have some time of, of, of devotion and, and prayer or Bible reading we want to give to him. Now, listen, it, it's, if you happen to be an evening person and you want to read your Bible in the evening, that's fine. But we see the principle here, right? That we want to give our best to Jesus. And as I already said, you know, uh, oftentimes I, I certainly don't give my best to Jesus. I don't give my best to my wife. You know, you know, we'll be going somewhere and I'll have other interests or I'm wanting to do other things. And, uh, you know, but we'll go here and, you know, my wife is... Uh, you know, she has told me, you know, John, it's like you're, you're never present. That was a, a rebuke from, I don't know, five, six months ago. And I don't know how much I've improved, but, um, you know, because I'm always thinking about other things. And so obviously, you know, she deserves my, my attention when I'm with her, but the Lord deserves the first of everything in our lives. Hopefully that made sense. Of course, we're to use our time and our talents, right? Our talents are that which the Lord has given us, things we're good at, and, and the vast majority of us use them for our jobs, to make a good income for ourselves and our family, and all that we need to do. But the first priority of your talent should be him, right? How am I using my talents in the advancement of the kingdom of God? How are you using your, your talents and the advancement of the kingdom of God, Esther. Linz, how are you using your talents in the advancement of the kingdom of God? And using them to serve all those people? Linz is a dentist in Singapore, and she's a wonderful woman of God. And uh, uh, she's my dentist. Thank you. We couldn't get back there this year. But uh, she uses her talents wonderfully there as a dentist. But the first priority of all the talents... God has given this amazing woman needs to be Jesus. And uh, in thinking about, okay, how can I give my best 
of my time and talents lends to, to the work of the kingdom of God. And then, as we already said, your money, right? You ought to give the, uh, uh, the minimum of 10% of what you get to the work of the gospel, right? To where you know the work of the gospel's being done. If you go to a good church that's, that's advancing the, the kingdom of God and teaching the word of God, you can give it there, you can give some there, you can spread it around, but you always want to give it to the work of Christ, where that's giving it to the Lord and his work. All right. Where are we here? So, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. And again, because, you know, Abel's, Abel's offering showed a priority to the Lord, a thoughtfulness of the Lord, right? And so when we make an offering to the Lord, we want to give him our best. Now, sometimes you don't feel like it. You know, there are times where... <laughs> You just don't feel like reading your Bible or praying or doing these things. But the Lord is pleased when we still do it. But we don't do it begrudgingly. We do it with discipline. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we get to. Right? But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. God did not look with favor on Cain. So Cain was very angry, it says, and his face was downcast. What does that mean? His face was downcast. I guess he had a scowl on his face. Some of us just have a walking scowl on our face, Scott. Put a smile there. Turn that frown upside down, Stephen. We got to stop scowling. We need to have big smiles on our face all the time. I mean, ear to ear grins that look almost exaggerated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Not just angry. The Bible said very angry. Now, what's I, look what's going to happen here in verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is he going to go kill his brother? Because the Lord looked with favor on his brother Abel's offering, but not on his. Why take it out on his brother? I mean, it was the Lord who didn't look with favor on his offering. Abel didn't do nothing to him. So what is it? What do do you think that is? Why is it that Cain is so angry that he's mad at his brother because his brother got the favor of the Lord, got the blessing of the Lord, but he didn't? Can we see some of that in ourselves? Uh, we don't want to admit it, but we, we have some Cain in us, you know, all of us want to think, oh, no, I'm just like Abel. I just I'm just like Abel. I don't I don't have none of that Cain in me. We have some Cain in us for all y'all in Singapore. Is that is this where they got the, 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 the phrase caned? Gwenda or Omella or Mandy. Is this where they got this lens from? Um. Is this where they got this expression, caned? Is it from the biblical passage of, of Cain? So you're going to be caned? Um, I just thought of that. Um, um, y'all let me know. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, well, why are you angry? And the Lord is saying the same to us. If we're angry about anything, why are you angry? 
And Cain is clearly would say, oh, well, I'm angry because you didn't look with favor on my offering. But look what the Lord said. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And there it is. Whenever we're angry, whenever we're off put, whenever we're bitter, whenever we're frustrated, the ultimate reason is us. Try to think about this, and this is a hard principle to grasp. There is no one that can do anything to you to make you angry. There are people who will say, you know, I can't be around that person. He makes me so angry. The problem's not the person. The problem is the anger in you. If you didn't have that anger in you, that person couldn't make you angry. We always have a reason why we're angry. The Lord said, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And then he says in verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you had done what is right, if your heart was right, if your intentions were right, Cain, I would have accepted your offering with favor as well. But you did not. Therefore, your offering was not accepted. And the very clear cause and effect relationship here is, uh, is very interesting. It's amazing, right? It's a very simple phrase. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? As Christians, doing what's right ought to be the focus of our lives. In every situation, we want to do what's right and repent when we haven't done what's right. Now, this has nothing to do with our salvation. We're not saved by anything we do or don't do. We're saved completely and totally by trusting in what Jesus has done for us and calling out to him and asking him to come into our heart and to be our savior and Lord and master and uh, putting our complete trust and confidence in Jesus alone. That's how we get saved and have our sins forgiven and go to heaven. But now, once we've done that and we're Christians, the, the principle is here. If we do what is right, will we not be accepted? And the answer is yes. But here's the issue. The second part of verse 7 is the issue. That if we don't do what is right, there's an immense consequence to it. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Will you not be blessed? But if you don't do what is right, there's a severe downside. It's not like you, you do wrong and there's no downside. You do wrong and it's okay. That's not how it works. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, verse 7, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. That's a mouthful. It says that sin desires to have us. Now again, in Jesus Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. If you're in Jesus Christ, sin has no power over you. However, your sinful nature, although it has been rendered powerless, it has not been eradicated. You still have a nature in you that pulls you to, to want to do things that are wrong and to want to have your own way. And so do I. I always want my own way. I do. I like my way. And that's coming out of my sinful nature. I have a preference 
for me. I have a preference for my enjoyments, my food, my sleep, right? We all still have a nature in us that that desires us to obey it. Now, in Christ, that nature has been rendered powerless. And in Christ, we have the power to do what's right and master that sin and that sin nature that consistently is wanting to to pull us toward all the things the Bible says not to do. Jesus said, do not worry. You can't add a minute to your life by worrying. Any of y'all ever worry? Any of y'all ever have concern about things? It's wrong when we worry. In Jesus Christ, we can overcome worrying and, and really learn to trust in him, not only for our, uh, not only for our salvation, Kristen, but for everything in our lives. And again, this is not, this isn't easy. It says sin desires to have you, but you must master it. If you're in Jesus Christ today, if you've received, received him as your Lord and Savior, all of your sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven before God the Father, and you will go to heaven when you die if you're a Christian, uh, a genuine Christian trusting in Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But the more we live in a lifestyle of sin, the more hardened our heart becomes to the fact that, that it's wrong. Uh, most of us listening to this today have some things in our life that we know are not, are not biblical. We, we know we have some habits, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's gossiping. Maybe it's complaining. Maybe it's using inappropriate language. Maybe it's just a, uh, an abuse of our time. But whatever it is, we know that there are areas of our lives that, that, that we need to to, to get in order, so to speak. And this, this, the same thing with Cain. But if you do not do what is right, if you will live a lifestyle of consistently looking to do what's right, these things will take care of themselves. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? As Christians, if we will consistently do what is right, we will see the blessings of our Heavenly Father flow into our lives in ways we would never imagine. Doing what everything we've talked about here in this teaching, doing all these things, making the Lord a priority with our time, talents, and money, making him our first priority. If you do what is right, you will be accepted. The Lord, the blessing of our Heavenly Father will be on us if we have a lifestyle of doing what's right in ways that we could never understand. But look what he says here. But if you do not do what is right, if we'll refuse to do what is right, there is the consequence to it. And it's, tr it's, it's awful. It says sin is crouching at your door. And all of us can recognize different types of sin that crouches at our door and tempts us, right? By doing what's right, you just, you just push it away, right? But sin crouches. Sin is crouching at your door. It's like a, the, the crouching tiger. Wanting to pounce, may, right? Sin is crouching at your door and it desires to pounce. It says it desires to have you. Rawr. Sin is serious. 
right? It's not a joke. It says you must master it. And so the more we'll do what's right, the more we'll just focus on doing what's right. And again, it's important to, 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 to know. We're not doing what's right because it has anything to do with going to heaven. We're doing what's right because we want to be pleasing to our heavenly father, because we, we, we want to be pleasing to Jesus, because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And we're doing what's right because we want to be blessed. And the more we do what's right in every aspect of our lives, Melanie, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally, the more blessed we're going to be. I've said this before. There's a difference between being saved and being blessed. You can be saved and not have the blessing of the Lord on your life. And the blessing of the Lord comes in many, 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 many ways. Again, it can come spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relation. It can come in the way of revelation, where uh, Jesus is giving you a deeper understanding of who he is, where you, you begin to understand the, the mysteries of God in a, in a much deeper way, where all of a sudden your relationship with him grows and you're, you start getting more excited about Jesus. When you do what's right, these little blessings or big blessings come into your life. And again, sometimes they're physical, but the spiritual blessings are even greater. Jesus said, if you'll do what's right in John 14, that him and the father will just will be at home with you. Again, you can be saved and born again. But if you live a lifestyle of doing what's right, uh, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit will be comfortable with you, will be at home with you, and you'll experience deeper relationship with them. It doesn't affect your salvation. It doesn't affect you going to heaven. It doesn't affect your eternal destiny. But, but to the extent that we want to experience a deeper, more intimate, more profound relationship with our Heavenly Father, that will happen the more we have a lifestyle of doing what's right in literally every aspect of our lives. We will be accepted and blessed in every way. And again, if we don't do what's right, verse 7, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to master, but you must master it. It desires to have you. And again, you see that crouching picture. And you know what? The Lord is speaking directly to Cain here. And the alarming thing is verse 8. Cain pays no attention to it. His anger overcomes him. And he just keeps going full blown. Can, 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 any, can any of us recognize this in our lives? Again, most of us haven't gone off and murdered somebody. And I will just say as a side note. There's nothing you can do that'll keep you from, from being forgiven in Jesus Christ, right? If, if, if people have had a moment and they went and killed somebody, they were arrested, they went to jail and they got out, you put your faith in Jesus Christ and even that sin is forgiven. Remember King David in the Old Testament had Uriah murdered, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so... The, the forgiveness of Christ is beyond measure. But the Lord consults Cain directly, speaks to him directly, exhorts him directly. And the next verse shows Cain paid no attention to it. Have you ever noticed, have you ever let that anger in you? Have you ever seen what happens when you just, 
and you just let that anger blow over. Nothing good ever comes from it. You're screaming at your wife. I was talking to a guy this weekend. He said it just with all the COVID and everything going on. He's arguing with your wife. They're screaming at each other, cussing, right? And, uh, you know, just because anger blows over. All of us can recognize this, right? All of us have let our anger blow over. All of us have been caned or cane-like in heart where we've just been just so angry and, and we didn't master it. We didn't settle down and burst eight. And then we just let the anger get the better of us, right? Instead of just repenting and giving it to Jesus. Cain should have here said, you know, thank you, Father. I, I receive what you said. But Cain's anger had more power in his life than the word of God. Do you see that? Verse six, the Lord speaks to him directly. And Vinod, Cain's anger had more power in him than the word of God itself because he didn't check it, because he didn't master it. Verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. He lures him out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is obviously a, a dramatic example of what happens if we won't get ourselves in check if we won't labor to obey the word of god the lord will let him one of the most incredible insights here is that the lord allows cain to do this do you realize that when the lord says to cain in verse six why are you angry why is your face downcast if you do what it's right, will you not be accepted? He knows. God is omniscient, Matthew. He knows that Cain will, will murder Abel. And he lets him do it. So we, we see this incredible principle that, that the Lord the Lord is going to tell Cain the truth. If you think about this, the Lord knew when, when he did not look with favor on Cain's offering, he knew what the result of that would be. The Lord knew by not blessing Cain's offering, because the Lord knows everything. The Lord knew that he would go on to kill his brother in short order. And yet, you know, why does he do this? And what we see is this incredible principle that the Lord is going to, to tell Cain the truth. That he's going to tell Cain what's right. He's going to tell him what's true. Even though the Lord knows the consequence that will come from that truth. So think about that for a second. Sometimes as believers in Jesus Christ, you know, we don't, we don't want to tell people the hard truth. Certainly oftentimes we don't want to hear the truth ourselves, but the truth is so important to the Lord. Let's say this again. If the Lord, if the Lord accepts Cain's offering, then Abel is not killed. You know, so you, again, we're talking about this principle of free will. Um, 
but the Lord is willing to tell him the truth because the offering is not acceptable to the Lord because it it wasn't as it needed to be. It didn't come with the right heart. And then he tells him the truth um, that he shouldn't be angry. He tells him the truth that his face shouldn't be downcast and that all you got to do is do what's right. And the consequence of the Lord, again, speaking the truth about all these things, is that the Lord knew that Cain wouldn't receive it and that he would ultimately kill his brother. Because remember, he knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He can do anything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. So it's just, uh, it's an interesting thought as to why the Lord would, foreknowing that Cain would do this, but yet he still is only willing to speak the truth. And that's a good principle for us, um, that we do want to speak the truth of the word of God. We want to speak the truth of Jesus as the son of God. And, uh, and oftentimes that may not be popular, but it's, uh, it's something that we need to do, and it is what's right. It's amazing, this concept of free will in the scriptures. The Lord knew what happened in verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. I mean, how can this be? How can the first, first human being ever born, the first man ever born, be a murderer? I mean, human beings are busted. You know what I mean? The Bible says clearly that all human beings are sinful. And we, we don't have to look far to see it in our own lives, as I said. To be sinful at its core means to be selfish. Some have said the greatest quality of Jesus was his selflessness. It's because our biggest problem is our selfishness. First child ever born kills his brother. I mean, Adam and Eve have just sinned, May. Then a year later, they have a baby, and he grows up, murders his brother. I'll tell you, we have to master it. And you master it by doing what's right. And the more you know Jesus, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more quickly you repent when you do things wrong. Guys, if you've yelled at your wife today or, you know, been, been mean or ugly to her, just, just go repent. Just apologize. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, May. I don't even know what I did. I'm sure I did something in the past few days. And ladies... You know, if you've been disrespectful to your husband, if you've been condescending, you know, if you've been uh, abrasive, abusive, just, just ask for forgiveness. Repentance is one of the biggest aspects of doing what's right, is learning to say, I'm sorry, and meaning it. Because we make a lot of mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes. So again, these are an interesting eight verses. And, and they're here for, for our exhortation. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and, and goodness on our lives. Um, we thank you for your favor and grace. Father, we ask you to help us to, 
to bring our best to you, our first to you of our time, talents, and money. Help us, Lord, to be cognizant of where we where we have not been giving you and making you a priority in our lives and giving you our best, but we give everything else our best and give you the leftovers. I'm sorry, Lord, for when I've done this. Father, we do ask you to help us to have a lifestyle to consistently look into the Bible and do what it says. Father, we know that none of this can save us from our sin or bring us to heaven, but help us to do this, Lord, that uh, that we would be blessed and that we could be used by you and know you more intimately, Lord. And Father, help us to fear not doing what's right because sin is crouching at the door and it wants to master each one of us. And Father, we have seen here what can be the outcome of not getting it in check. So have mercy on us one and all today, Father. We love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for your word, Father. Seal it to our hearts now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.